Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Shrink Think Podcast. We are talking today about empathy. I know how you're feeling. You're feeling excited, curious, and maybe a little vulnerable or exposed because what is empathy going to bring up that you didn't know? But that's why it's so exciting. We are going to talk really a lot about empathy, what it is, differences between that and sympathy, why empathy is important tips on how to improve your ability to empathize because here's the deal if you're a person and you are in relationships which all of us are whether it's work family friends you're in relationship with people and you need to keep those relationships going and empathy is the oil that keeps those the engine of those relationships strong and learning how to empathize better is going to help in every aspect of your life now of course it's going to look different in the different areas of your life. Obviously, you might not go to your boss and say, boss, you seem stressed today. I can understand how you're stressful. It's a lot of responsibility (laughs) (laughs) and being the leader of our organization or whatever. Let me rub your shoulders. She's probably going to be like, and get back to work. (laughs) (laughs) And sexual (laughs) errors. You know how Nathan's feeling a little embarrassed right now. And also, you know, with empathy, it's the kind of thing that you can always learn and grow in. So even if you feel like you're doing pretty well in this area, we've got some great ideas to challenge you uh, to continue to grow, maybe to hone those skills or to apply them to a particular person or relationship in your life that you would like to maintain or improve. So to kick us off, Nathan, you are batting lead off. What is empathy? I think I'm always batting the lead off now that I'm thinking about it. You know, empathy is just the the ability to emotionally understand someone else. It's getting into their shoes and seeing the world from where they see it. So the reality is, is that there's a difference between when you're tuning into somebody and you're trying to connect to them and when you're just not, when you're just doing your life or whatever. And is this like, first of all, put down the remote and listen kind of a kind of a conversation? Yeah, it could, you know, it could be. I'm just realizing even when you're asking that, it's like, wow, this is actually complicated, this whole empathy thing, right? Because you could be over there going like, I don't know if I want to ask him to put down the remote because he's enjoying the show so much <laughs> or he's not enjoying me and he needs to come over here. I can tell he's not thinking about me at all. He's just like, I wonder why their shorts are so short on the basketball game. <laughs> yeah, that was a quick clarifier right there. <laughs> But in order to empathize, you have to connect to some place in yourself that knows that feeling that the other person has. Therein lies the big issue because it's hard. And the truth is, if you kind of are a person that avoids pain or you don't like negative feelings, and some personalities are actually more prone to this, like the people that you know just want to have fun or whatever, then it's going to be hard for you to connect to people. You might think that you're doing it just by being with them and having a conversation, but you could have a long conversation with somebody and not connect to them at all. Aaron, I was curious about 
what am I missing here? Like, how would you fill in some blanks as far as the, the empathy pieces in general, like the, as a definition? I think you're hitting it pretty, pretty head on. There's an, a video I saw. I, I can't remember where it came from, but it was a great visual. I think that will highlight this. And then I'll describe maybe what is going on in the video that gives some more clarity and definition to empathy. So imagine two people standing across from each other. And in fact, we can do this. Nathan and I uh, imagine us standing across from each other, facing each other, maybe arm's length away or six feet away, socially distanced, um, <laughs> not wearing our masks. What about birds singing in the background? We have something interesting. Uh, if you would like to imagine birds singing in the background, Nathan, if that gives you peace in your heart, that's, that's cute. Can you feel it? <laughs> I feel the love tonight. <laughs> imagine Nathan and I are standing across from each other, and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And beyond that, I can see behind him to everything that's going on. Like maybe we're standing on the rooftop. This is reminding me of uh, Chicago. I was just uh, in Chicago a few weeks ago with a couple of colleagues. So I'm, I'm imagining be on the rooftop out there. And you can see everything. You can see everything behind because like the city is, you know, is vast. It's like all around you. So I can see the river behind Nathan. And when he's looking at me behind me, he can see downtown and all the buildings. Right. So we have different vantage points and different views of what's going on. Empathy would be leaving my position of looking at Nathan and seeing the river behind him and walking over to where he's at, standing beside him, shoulder to shoulder, and looking, turning around and then seeing the buildings in the downtown city that he saw from his viewpoint. From that viewpoint, I can no longer see the river that I saw from my viewpoint. So I have to leave that viewpoint of like what I know, what I think I know that's going on behind me or what I can see in front of me. I have to leave all that behind to actually stand next to Nathan to see what he's seeing. From that viewpoint, it's just, it's exactly what you said. I can see what you see. And maybe there's like a, the birds singing, but also the birds are like, <laughs> are like attack birds and they're coming at you. And I'm like, why are you becoming so afraid? Now that I can see what he sees, I can experience what he's experiencing and feel some of those feelings that he's feeling. That's kind of a good analogy or a good visual for what I think empathy is. Leaving your own position, your own assumptions or biases and going to where somebody else is, seeing it from their point of view and experiencing what they're experiencing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think I think sometimes we don't think of it in that straightforward of terms. It's more like uh, a, a big emotional experience that, you know, we're trying to have and that kind of thing. In a lot of them, it's not really as much, to be honest, current culture as much as it used to be. But I think of like my, my dad's age, he's about 70 or so. Back then, I mean, it's like men were not supposed to empathize. You're not supposed to connect to that. Like, well, we're not supposed to have emotions in general because <laughs> right. that's not manly. Right. So it's handy. So then you're like, somebody gets hurt and you're like, sweet, I don't care about that. Like, <laughs> or you're like, wow, that sucks. I mean, maybe that's sympathy, you know, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now we're, everybody's kind of more focused on trying to be a bit more healthy, but understanding empathy really gives you not understanding it per se, but but being able to upgrade it, so to speak, it's this idea that you can actually become better at empathy, which is pretty cool. It's not something that is is natural per se, meaning that you don't just naturally become empathic, but it is to our nature to be empathic. So there, there are different tips and tricks that we're going to give you today to just try out so you can kind of 
investigate what that would be like to maybe connect another person differently. I would just want to add also that, you know, we talked about in the opening the importance of empathy. There's something interesting that happens when you really can get into somebody else's shoes, when you can really understand them. Like I said before, you sort of leave behind your own perspective, your own assumptions or ideas or biases of, of what's going on. Something really interesting happens. To me, the way I experience it is it's kind of like a light bulb moment where I think I understand what you're saying and I have some ideas about it, but I'm not really in your shoes. I don't really know what you're feeling. And and the reason that's important is because if I can understand what you're experiencing, what you're feeling, I can understand why you're thinking and speaking and reacting the way that you're reacting. Not just in an intellectual like, oh, that makes logical sense, but like, a, oh, I can see it now. So it's like this light bulb moment that I can see the thing that you're seeing. And now all of a sudden that, that perspective changes me. It doesn't necessarily um, cause me to abandon what I think or feel or cause me to disagree with any of that. But it's like this new information or this new experience now that it just impacts me. It just changes you. I think that's one of the first things that you have to be willing to do in order to empathize is allow yourself to be willing to be changed by somebody else's perspective. Because, you know, the truth is I can think what I think about you, but that's not the same thing as really understanding you and connecting with who you are from your viewpoint. Yeah. You know, a long time ago, there's a show that I used to religiously watch. And this one particular episode stuck with me because it's really about what you're saying. The movie or the movie, the show was Doogie Howser, MD, right? So for those of you that don't know, which is darn near everyone that's underneath, I don't know, probably 50. 50. (laughs) What are you talking about? I'm not that old. Wait a minute. I see what you did there. (laughs) Oh, that feels... You're welcome. You must feel so proud, Aaron. (laughs) Anyways, Doogie Howser was a 16-year-old kid that was an absolute genius and had become a medical doctor. And he was really smart and really intelligent, but he just would go in and solve the problem and walk out. And there's this one particular episode where they were kind of on him about his bedside manner. Like, you need to, you need to connect to these people. They're not just problems to solve. And so they couldn't figure out anything that was going on with this one particular patient. And um, they said, look, you just, need to, you just need to slow down. So he goes back into this patient. He's frustrated because he just wants to solve the problem. And then he's like, in his mind, you can kind of feel him going, okay, fine. So he goes, so what do you like to do for a living? Just like ask him, you know, or what do you like to do for fun or whatever? And what do you do for a living? And that kind of thing. The guy's talking to him and everything. And then he goes, what's the funnest thing you've ever done? And the guy says, oh, I just came back from South America, actually. And he goes, South America? What'd you do in South America? And um, the guy was telling him some things and he started to realize the doctor started to realize, wait a minute, like, where, where were you near and what were you on? And it, the guy had ran into some rare plant that infected him. And that was actually the problem. And so, and he would have never got to that because he didn't even know what questions to ask, you know, that would never lead him to that direction. And it's a higher level type of thing when it comes to empathy or whatever, but he had to connect to the person to even understand anything. Yeah. And you know, so much of what we do as therapists all day long, I think is empathy. And what I, what I experience personally and what I see in other people is so much of the time, I think what people are looking for is to be understood. And that doesn't necessarily solve the problem. Like, 
you know, this Doogie Howser example is is a perfect example, which, by the way, for all you young people uh, who have no idea what he's talking about, uh, Neil Patrick Harris is the actor in who played Doogie Howser, and he you might know him as Count Olaf from a series of unfortunate events on Netflix. That's kind of a more modern version. Um, in case you stream shows and not play VHS tapes of them. <laughs> oh my. You probably don't even know what those are. Um, anyway, uh, connecting to somebody and feeling understood is a powerful experience because whatever you're going through kind of has this like tension where it can have this emotional charge to it. And when somebody really understands, it's kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, you get it now I can kind of like let go of whatever I'm feeling and actually work through the problem to solve it. So if there is a problem that needs to be solved, then empathy can help kind of take the first tension layer out of that so you can actually get to the root of the problem like Doogie Howser did in that example. And sometimes that is, quote unquote, the problem anyway. It's not that emotions are a problem, but somebody that you know or care about is feeling something and what they need is that release. They need to be understood with empathy to feel like, oh, you really get what I'm saying. And it's this felt feeling of like, ah, like you really see it from my point of view. And almost like you can describe it better than I can with some different words, because obviously if it's happening to me, I've got some loss of objectivity there because I'm, I'm experiencing it. But if I can kind of describe it and you can see it from your point of view, it's not happening to you, but you can see it with a little bit more objectivity you can describe it a little bit better, and that's incredibly helpful for both the connection between you and I, but also it helps me to understand myself and what I'm seeing and experiencing. Yeah, it's just, it's obviously, it's awesome. <laughs> like, and it might sound like it's in some ways, maybe we're belaboring this and going on about it too much, but the reality is, is you can learn, 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 learn about this. And everything that's going on for some of you, there's been epiphanies here and there. And for other folks, um, you feel like, oh, I, I kind of am with you so far. But we're just going to keep going. Yeah. And by the way, when you say learn, learn, learn this, I think of so many people who want to learn about somebody else. And that's not what we're saying. This is, this is the big difference between knowing about someone and really knowing them. You like... I can learn about you. I can listen to the information that you're sharing with me and I can memorize all of it and I can say, oh yeah, you like this and you don't like this. You're afraid of that and this is what you do on Saturday morning and all that kind of stuff. But that's information. It's almost like you could write a memoir and I could read that and be like, wow, I know Nathan Hawkins. But that's not true. I know about him. This empathy thing is really getting like inside your head and inside your heart really to understand, oh, this is what it's like to be Nathan Hawkins. That's empathy. That's the difference between knowing about somebody and really, truly connecting with them and knowing them. Well, and the other piece of this pie is in order to do that, you have to somehow connect somewhere in yourself, um, which means you have to know yourself. So this learning is really, you're oftentimes just learning about your own experience, which means that you have to tune into your own experience. You have to sit there and think, you know, how do I, I wonder what, what do I feel right now? And why do I feel it? You know, you could actually do that. It's one of the tips I'm going to give you that you can actually do that at any, any time of the day, anywhere, in any situation. And just being really honest with yourself, you know, irritability, for example, you're irritable. Why? And these are the things that when you start to focus on them, I want to tell you what will happen first is you will get some ideas and you will immediately disregard them because they are no big deal. And 
I can tell you that they are a big deal, which is why your mind went there first. They are important. It's just that you're used to filtering stuff out that seems small, and it will seem small, except for you hit it first. Yeah, and boy, that's a that's a big one. And that can be a challenge to connect with something inside yourself. I can think of so many times when, you know, obviously as a therapist, I'm listening to stories of people from all walks of life, so many things that I've never personally experienced. But what I try to do is when they're describing something, I'm thinking about something in my own experience that I might be able to relate to. And I'm not making it about me, right? Because that's the difference that we don't want to turn you into. We don't, you know, if somebody's, if Nathan's telling me about something and I'm like, oh yeah, I did that too. Or like, oh yeah, when I went fishing, I experienced the same thing. It was a blast and I caught two fish and it was this big. And he's like, wow, thanks for hijacking the conversation, bro. <laughs> um, that's what we don't want to do. You can still keep it about the other person as you're empathizing. But thinking about something inside myself, even if I've never experienced it, I've, I'm like searching myself and saying, what have I experienced that's like that? So for example, I can think of somebody who's got um, some chronic pain and uh, every time he moves and tries to do something, he's like, it's just so uncomfortable. And I'm like, well, I've never been in chronic pain, but I've had like one time in high school, I threw my back out and I just could not move. Any little movement I did, you know, just twinging something, moving my neck, anything just hurt. Um, or a time when, you know, I had some sort of an injury and every time I moved, it just hurt. I'm like, I wonder if it's kind of like that. And so I just put that on, put that experience on, that that memory. And I was kind of asking some questions about it and trying to describe, like, was it like this? Tell me more about it. And before long, it's like we kind of found some common ground where I was able to empathize and say, oh, yeah, it is kind of like that. Wow, that's really awful. In my experience, it was like a day, maybe two days that I was experiencing this. This guy's like, this is my life. So I just kind of had to take that little experience and expand it out over time to be like, that would be awful. If I felt that way, I wouldn't be able to do this. I wouldn't be able to do that. It would be incredibly challenging and painful and take a long time to do this. Wow, that's really terrible. And he's like, I know, that's my life. And I'm like, oh, like all of a sudden, you know, that that's the empathy piece. So anyway, to your point about finding something inside yourself can be challenging, um, both to find something that you can connect with and also to not make it about you. Yeah, you know, that actually teased me up a little bit for the difference between sympathy and empathy, because what sympathy does in that same scenario might be something like, you know, you've got your person in chronic pain. They're like, it just hurts all the time. And you're like, oh, well, at least you're able to make it to the office because you're, you're acknowledging that something happened. And that's it. Sympathy is, is basically just acknowledging it. Like, wow, that sounds terrible. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. I think that's why there are sympathy cards, because you just stay, say it, and then it's like, and we're done. But empathy really, I think, is more of a conversation. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking, yeah, here, give them a sympathy card. Yep. You don't go to their house. Make sure that they, <laughs> they have the card. You're keeping a safe distance. You know that? So um, sympathy, another way to do that one is, wow, sorry, bro. <laughs> That's it. Like, no questions, no conversation about it at all. But and and where you were just at when you were talking about being with this person and trying to understand them, it highlights another skill that we wanted to talk about, which is curiosity. And that that curiosity, if you notice as you're listening to Aaron talk, was not just toward the person; it was toward himself. He was trying to be curious about what that would be like in his own self, 
which was automatically moving toward the other person because the whole point of that curiosity was to move toward that pain that the person had. So that's interesting. Are you saying then that as I was trying to find a place in myself where I could relate to that, as I was searching myself, I was almost inadvertently or unknowingly moving toward the other person to where they were? Right. It's connective. Empathy by its nature is connective. And that's why it is when when you're moving toward a person and you don't even know what they felt that you might even saying, I don't even know what that's like. The person's like able to collapse into that and just kind of express it away and not express it away. But I'm thinking like they might have a tearful experience where they just want to hug and you're just telling them that you don't understand. But they can then look at that and go, wow, this actually is hard to understand. This does suck. Like I am in a different space, but I'm not alone. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. I think that I see a lot of times people really struggle with the curiosity piece. And I don't think it's intentional. I think uh, I, I think maybe it's just so difficult because it really does cost you something, I think, to let go of any of your assumptions, but also to not allow yourself to be protected, to be safe. So like, when you were saying I was moving toward this other person in a lot of ways, I mean, that's what I do for a, for a living, but also I enjoy it. I enjoy getting into other people's shoes and understanding what their experiences are. And I think that just costs a lot, right? Because it, it expends some emotional energy to feel what other people are feeling. And it can feel kind of unsafe. It can be like, oh, that's awful. Or wow, that is really, really challenging. Because I think in a lot of ways, it, it might move you into action. It might move you into compassion or something else that I think a lot of people were just, we keep each other at arm's length. We kind of want to know about one another, um, at least, you know, and, and much of uh, Western American culture, we do that. We don't, we're not as connective as we should be or as we would like to be and need to be. And so letting go of that sort of protective guard and getting into somebody's experience is a very vulnerable thing to do. And the kind of curiosity that we're talking about, too, is not the curiosity that is seeking to gain information. I think of that like you're having an agenda. And I will admit the problem with what I'm also telling you is with curiosity is curiosity does have an agenda on the other side because you're trying to connect. The agenda is to connect to a person. But I'm going to ask you or suggest that you need to have that kind of curiosity that just wonders openly about what this experience is like rather than... So, um, when did you, what kind of clothes were you wearing when you, when this happened? Like, what were you at? Were you on the blah, blah? Did you have yada, yada? Did you drink too much coffee that day? Like how, you know, and <laughs> yeah. And even, even questions like, um, was it like this? Was it like that? Was it like the other thing? Did you feel this? Like those kind of closed ended questions are not very helpful. Cause like you're saying, you're not really open to, um, something that you might not know they were experiencing you might have some ideas of what you think it would be like but again if you let go of that and you ask these open-ended questions of like what was that like what were you thinking what were you feeling when that happened uh how did it impact you those like really open-ended questions allow the other person to fill in those blanks right okay and so moving on a bit to maybe another another tip i looked online i was looking all over the place just for what other folks were saying about empathy and that kind of thing and i ran into this 
this guy, uh, Andrew Sobel, he's got eight ideas to develop empathy. We're not really focused on all these ideas, different things. And, and his focus, I think, was primarily, I mean, I skimmed it, to be honest, folks. Let's be honest. Primarily, it looks like for physicians, like trying to help them. Probably. Like Doogie Howser's <laughs> in the world. <laughs> yes, the Doogie Howser. <laughs> But uh, one idea that came out of that is is reading um, literature, like checking out stuff, like exploring essentially the heart of man, so to speak. Reading some books that are a bit more dramatic, um, so you can kind of tune into like the experience that the author's sharing about the characters that they're having. So you can kind of learn that. And really, to be honest, when you're reading that, you're going to be tuning into that in your own self. So, because you're going to try to understand what they feel as it's being described, and you're going to be doing that, which is kind of training you to do what we were talking about earlier of knowing yourself a little bit. You can't connect to that story without connecting to yourself. So, we've talked about curiosity. I, I mentioned a little bit um, another one of the things that this guy, Andrew Sobel, has is to examine your own biases. And that's kind of a presumption, I guess, that we're presenting you of when you leave your position, what you think is going on for the other person then you have to leave behind your own biases. And I'll just give you a quick example of that. Um, but this is a big one, honestly, because it's something that can really prohibit you from getting into the other person's point of view. And it's really your own self that's getting in the way. So sitting across from other people all day, sometimes people will start you know, telling a story or describing something that they think or feel about, and I'll just keep it kind of charged. They're talking about something political and I disagree with it. And so initially they might be saying something on the other side of whatever aisle I might be on. And they're saying this and immediately I kind of feel myself tense up a little bit and I'm like, oh, I disagree with you. But I have to constantly let that go and I say, it doesn't matter. The point is not to agree or disagree. The point is to understand what you're saying and what you're feeling and why that's important to you. And so I have to constantly move that stuff out of the way and just keep listening and not prepare responses, not try to rebut points, because again, that's not the point. It's to listen, and oftentimes the person will say, oh, it's just so frustrating because of this. And it's like, oh, what you're really getting at is not this political point, you know, this or that, but what you're really saying is you care about this, and it's frustrating when other people don't care about the same thing. I know that experience. Or maybe, maybe I even can share the experience because even though we might come from opposite sides of the political aisle, I care about those same kinds of things because we're both human beings. We might just approach it differently, but ultimately what you're really saying is like, oh, I really care about people and I want their needs to be taken care of or something. And it's frustrating that, you know, this policy or this political thing is happening. And I can connect with that because I'm like, yeah, that is really frustrating. I care about people and I want their needs to be taken care of as well. So you have to really move yourself out of the way, your own biases out of the way, and recognize them as they're coming up, especially with people who are different from you. Well, and the thing about that is, is you have to recognize them, like you were just saying. I mean, I can't, I mean, you're, you're mentioning that, and I'm saying, here, man, we often don't, we don't know our own biases because, <laughs> because they're ours, you know? Um, but I, I, I don't have them, you have them, but I don't. <laughs> I'm just me. <laughs> exactly. I'm right. <laughs> It's that simple. Just like I don't have an accent, you have an accent. Mine, I'm just, I just talk normal. You're the one with the accent. <laughs> yeah, actually, I got in a, a, a funny conversation when I was growing up. A big part of my family is from the Midwest, 
So we would go out there, and and um, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. We go out there for a month during the summer, and they. You know, y'all, they just all got without that accent, you know, it's all wonderful. And um, I'm like, you guys got a thick accent. And they're like, we don't have an accent. You have an accent. (laughs) And I was like, have you ever watched this thing called television? (laughs) And they're like, where are you going? And I'm like, all of them sound like me. (laughs) So since it's on TV, I'm right and you're wrong. (laughs) Exactly. And that's easy. I read it on the internet. I'm right. (laughs) Yeah. So, but the bias thing, exploring that, exploring what what you believe about things. You know, as a counselor, we are in situations with people that have totally different belief systems with us all the time. Every, I mean, you know, different spiritual beliefs, different political beliefs, different beliefs about what's good, different beliefs about what's bad. Honestly, we're constantly deciding whether or not it even matters to go toward that belief. Because um, sometimes you kind of do have to explore it to try to understand where the person is coming from. Sometimes it doesn't really matter. They're propping it up in order to stay hidden from something else. But Understanding that bias is it, it really you know to be honest in in grad school that's really what's happening for the counselor is you're exploring your own bias to try to understand where you're coming from so you can understand yourself in the space of the counseling room and be able to do your do your job and be helpful. Yeah, that's a really good point. You mentioned earlier, and I, I kind of touched on it a little bit as well. Um, getting into like the other person's experiences and what they're feeling. Uh, And that touches on one last point that I want to mention here that Andrew Sobel has. Uh, And we'll put this list up in our show notes page uh, as soon as I get those show notes updated. Uh, By the time you are reading the show notes page, hopefully it is. But the last point is to explore the heart and not just the head. This kind of goes into what you were saying earlier about don't just learn about somebody or it's not just intellectual empathy, but it's really emotional empathy. Anything else you want to say on that in terms of like exploring the heart and not just the head? A good example of that, I think, is actually um, case studies. Um, when we read those as as clinicians or, you know, if, if you're a clinician, you've, you've been part of those situations in, in what we call clinical supervision. And for those of you who are like, what? That sounds that sounds important or sophisticated. Just picture counselors in a room talking about stuff. I mean, they're sharing <laughs> they're sharing cases. We're like putting it out there to see what would you do in this situation type of a thing. And so when you present a case, you might be like, okay, 39-year-old female, she has recently divorced, kids on her own, um, she has financial situation that's this, and um, she comes in with anxiety that presents where she's worried and she realizes she's cleaning too much at home all the time, right? And so that's intellectual. You have just presented this and all the people can go... Okay, so have you tried this intervention? What's going on with that? That's all intellectual. Until somebody in the room goes, I wonder that what that must be like, that she just lost her husband, and now she's all anxious and nervous, and all she can do is clean. Or, I mean, I'm making this up, obviously. But that's, in a way, kind of the one way to explain the difference, I think. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and I think knowing yourself, like you said before, is really key to that, because you might be the kind of person that is more interested in or... Maybe you're just better at or prefer to stay in the lane of thoughts and intellectual ideas, whereas this is getting at the emotional stuff. And so it might be something that you just have to practice and challenge yourself with. Maybe ask a friend or two who is good in this area to help you work on empathy, connecting with the emotions, the heart, and not just staying into like, you know, your, your mind, your head or facts, information, solutions about what's going on. 
There are a few more of these ideas. We'll put those up on the show notes page, but hopefully this gives you a good intro and overview with a couple of tips and tricks of what empathy is and how you can use it to connect better in relationships. Because overall, as counselors, we don't just want to help people fix their problems. We want to help you to be different. I know that sounds kind of weird, but you know, in a lot of ways, the way I describe it is like, I can give you advice of what to do here, give you advice of what to do there, but you're just going to need to keep coming back for advice and advice, advice. But if I can help you to connect with someone and have better relationships and be a better friend or a better connective sort of a person, then you can begin to actually solve your own problems. And that's what we want. We want you to be able to know and understand yourself and the people around you so that you can have better, healthier relationships. Yeah, we really hope that this is helpful and and really try out these tips. And also, there is a video online, a short little three-minute video by Brene Brown on the difference between sympathy and empathy. That's that's pretty interesting and cool. And uh, and that'll be in your show in the show notes too because I just made Aaron do it. Because let's be clear. Nate's not doing the show notes. (laughs) One of these days, Nathan will empathize with what it's like for Aaron to always do the show notes. To be honest with you, it is overwhelming the amount of work that you do. I try to connect to it and then get bogged down and pass out. (laughs) So you have empathized. That's about what it's like. Hey, everybody. We hope you have a great day. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.